0: For this episode of the Tech Spective Podcast, uh, my guest this episode is my friend Marcus Carey from uh, ReliaQuest. So, Marcus, say hi.
1: Hey, how you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me again, brother.
0: No problem. Um, you know, I said it, it before we started that it's been a while since you and I talked, you know, face to face or, you know, whatever. Um, as it happens, I don't remember if I actually had told you this, but I had planned on coming to Austin, the like third week in March last year. Uh, so I, I had come back from RSA, and uh, I, I was I was still at Alert Logic, and Alert Logic had has a you know, had a growing presence in Austin. You know, even though they're headquartered in Houston, uh, there was sort of some sort of like a underground, uh, slow motion attempt uh, attempted coup to move the company to Austin because sure. everyone they were hiring was in Austin. And I'm like, well, by attrition, uh, eventually we're just going to be headquartered in Austin. Um, but I was going to go, I was going to go, uh, visit some of the new hires that we had uh, that were on my team in Austin. Um, and then, uh, you know, while I was there, i you know, I had been meaning to come by for, for a while. And, and, you know, even before you were with ReliaQuest, uh, and, and, and check out, you know, what, what you've got going on and kind of just hang out. And so I had big plans of like spending the week in Austin and then, uh, the world came crashing down.
1: Yeah. And definitely. so instead yeah.
0: I stayed home and didn't leave my house for nine
1: months. And was, that was a trip. Uh, def, definitely, definitely. I definitely, I definitely went into hibernation like most people. And, and, uh, recently, uh, been getting out more. I just came back from Vegas, uh, that was interesting uh, because, really, realistically, the you know the pandemic still is going on and raging on, and and uh, I think we've learned a little bit more about it. You know, the vaccine came out, so every we're still playing it day by day. It's it's a it's a whole new world. Well, it's
0: it, that that part is strange. Um, so I had I, I I was planning on being at Black Hat at one point. I really wanted to go. Like I I I, I you know I got vaccinated. I felt like things were getting better. Uh, my company, that you know, that my my day job, you know, was planning on being there, and um, they ended up, you know, deciding not to go. They basically they heard that the 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 in person turnout was lower than what they expected, and they decided it was they they didn't want to invest the money. But um, it was right after that, or kind of right right around the same time, that I started looking and saying, "Yeah, things are kind of getting out of hand again." Uh, and and you know you know you and i are in texas which is kind of we're 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 second so so florida florida is the huge problem then there's texas and uh but vegas is up there on the list you know in terms of they have a low low rate of vaccination they had a high rate of cases per capita and uh so i i i decided that you know i didn't want to be there uh this time i mean I, i i would love to I would love to go to a security conference again, and I've, you know, got my fingers crossed that you know the world can get its shit together before RSA. Um, but we shall yeah. see, because you know my wife and I were talking. My my daughter was just in Florida for uh, a dance intensive, uh, intensive for five weeks, and when they left for Florida, middle of June, you know, third third week in June, that we were still very much in the. Hey, things are kind of getting better, you know, and it's like, and we're all vaccinated. So we had, we had just started kind of being okay. You know, sitting at a restaurant and eating or, yeah. you know, or, or not feeling like we you know, militantly had to wear a mask everywhere we went. We were like, Oh, you know, things are kind of okay. And like two weeks later we were like, Nope, <laughs> we're going yeah. back on full lockdown.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I feel so. you. Um, I definitely understand. Um, I understand that feeling. Uh, I mean, I think that, that a lot of people are, are going through it. Uh, funny enough, being in Texas, uh, Texas has been pretty wide open for a while. Uh, funny enough for LaQuest is based out of Tampa. Uh, uh, that that state has been pretty open for a while as well. So I think it, like realistically, I think it's gonna get to the point where everybody is probably gonna get infected with, with COVID probably in some some form or fashion that's the reality we're dealing in. And I just hope that the, the vaccine will keep me from being like severely ill with it. Um, I think that's the reality that we're living in.
0: Right. No, I, then it does seem to be the case. My wife stays on top of that, uh, way more than I do. So, you know, she's my source of information and, you know, but it, it you know, all the stuff I've seen from from the CDC or even from you know state governments or like the Montgomery County uh, Health uh, Department and stuff around here have said that you know at least from June on, ninety nine percent of the people who are being hospitalized and and ninety nine percent of the people who are who are having severe consequences and or death are unvaccinated, um, and you know yeah. and, and you know so it's like if you're vaccinated as far as I know, again, I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist or anything, uh, but you know, yes, you can still get it, you, but you, you'll, you know, you'd have more like a, you know, cold symptoms, you know, and it's correct. like, I can live with that. Yeah.
1: yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm against, I mean, I'm for lowering the risk. I mean, the, the eyes of people, people dying are real and low anyway. And I just, like any other pre- preventative measures, like defense in depth, where we talk about it all the time in Cybersecurity, if I can get the vaccine and it lowers my odds more, and if I can do anything, if I can wear a mask, maybe that that lowers the odds. All I right. want to stack the deck against me me, me being here for my family. It, That's makes, it.
0: it makes sense to me. It makes Honestly, it makes sense Like. Yeah, you know, even with the, with all of the stuff that's going on with like the, the the people who are so militantly like you can't make me wear a mask, I'm kind of like, I'm not saying the mask is absolutely gonna save me, but it can't hurt.
1: I mean, just stack stacking <laughs> the deck. I'm 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 laughing because when I was in the military, in military we we had to get all the 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 vaccines. We had to we had to get we had to wear a mask, mop gear, and yep. Hey, we got gassed in boot camp, <laughs> you know. what I'm saying, like, you know, tear gas and whatnot. But it still was like you get the you get those experience in the military, and then like, it's kind of funny to me that like, man, this is this is not that bad. We I
0: actually, I, so I was I was in the Air Force, and uh, <laughs> I heard of that. Like, I heard that that was a thing that they did. Was you know, you would you know, they had a chamber and they'd they'd have you go in there and and don don your chemical warfare gear and and, and all that. And I don't remember if that was something that the the Air Force just stopped doing entirely, or if there was an issue like a you know like maybe that maybe the facility was broken or whatever. But I I did not do that. I, I did not get that experience. I did get the I did get to experience how quickly can you put on your chemical warfare gear when you think there's an actual attack coming yeah.
1: <laughs> during, yeah. during
0: storm. So I, yeah. I I do know how to put it on very quickly. Uh, yeah
1: that was funny because I think the the lesson learned was, you know, you're, you're breathing and this, this, this works, this actually works. And then when you take your mask off, you see the difference. So yeah. that, that was the lesson. And so, Hey, cool. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I roll with. Yep. Makes sense. So let's, uh, let's shift gears then. Let's you
0: know. So we'll shift gears a little to, to, to black hat. So, you know, you were just at black hat. Yeah. Uh, so I have a two-part question. Number one is just sort of like, you know, what was your like primary message or, you know, like what, what, what were you, what were you sharing with, with people, uh, you know, at, as ReliaQuest while you were, while you were in Black Hat, Black Hat, and number two is just as someone who's been to previous Black Hats and RSAs, what was your sense in terms of, you know, audience numbers or just the event in general, like, you know, under, under these conditions?
1: Yeah, so I, I did Black Hat and DEF CON. Um, so um, it was quite interesting. Uh, Black Hat was definitely a lower attendance compared to anyone I've ever seen. I would compare it to a a, a, a nice size B sides, but the companies that were there had the big boots. So it was big boots, but but it was the, the number of participants was significantly lower. Um, and that's that's pretty much it was like uh having a B-sides at a big a v- big venue. that's what it felt like uh and in the companies that were there like like some companies that they have the, the same old big boots, but there was a significantly lower I mean I we we were only in one on one floor pretty much, and that floor was probably like a quarter of the size of the vendor presence. if, if, if even lower, it could have it been lower the attendance, the tenants was, was lower too. Um, uh, uh, but Defcon actually, the attendance was blew my mind. It was quite high. Really? Uh, I was actually, it, it blew my mind. It was a lot of people at Defcon. It, it felt like, it, it felt like Defcon, uh, it was lower, lower amounts of people, but there was a lot of people there to me, thousands of people.
0: So I mean, I, I, I did attend uh, like I did the 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 day one and day two keynotes uh, virtually, and I did do attend a, a few sessions uh, virtually for Black hat. Um, and I mean, I, I felt like you know so both of the keynotes, their keynote presenter wasn't there. you know they they, would, they did you know virtual keynotes. Um, but I thought they did both of them pretty pretty well. Uh, I thought I thought the way they handled it and the way, you know jeff moss came out kind of did a little intro they kicked off the 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 virtual keynote and then came back for a live q a you know virtually uh i mean as far as trying to conduct a hybrid uh a hybrid event um you know i'll, I'll give them some kudos i think they did i think they did as well as could be expected under the circumstances
1: hmm. uh, i i think that i kind of like wonder in my head what what the new normal is uh, because these events are definitely a part of, of our industry and a part of any industry. It's, it's the way you learn and the way you grow. And I kind of just wonder, um, I think we're in this this whole pandemic thing. I think we're in it for a while. Uh, and it actually changes how we do cybersecurity. Uh, it changes a lot. I mean, the the big things that that were talked about at Black Hat is ransomware uh, and uh, zero trust, and zero trust architecture and, and things of that nature. Um, what's interesting about zero trust is because since we're, we're still remote, uh, it sounds like that there has uh, been somewhat of a mutiny definitely from the younger people that like to work. They don't even wanna go back into office period. So so it actually is interesting how this, this, this global pandemic has even affected the work environment and it has affected cybersecurity. Which is super interesting. And now, how do we do cybersecurity now, and with, with with this uh, with this situation? And like I said, I think that the younger people they don't want to go back to offices. Period. And some, you know, some older people. But definitely, uh, it sounds like the 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 best talent, uh, the the most available talent pool, they don't want to go back to offices. Period. And so we're stuck in this interesting quandary. And that does affect how we do cybersecurity, which is which is super interesting to me. Right.
0: Well, you know, and I, I mean, I, I always, I, I've worked primarily remotely, you know, from from uh, from my home office for twenty years. You know, the, the different companies, different. I've lived in different states, but you know, but for the most part, I've I've worked remotely, and and um. I I appreciate it. I know there are people who would like to go back, but the the sense that I've gotten from you know talking to various you know professionals and managers is that most companies I think are looking at some sort of new normal hybrid approach. They're really, I I think most companies are kind of taking their cues from the employees to some extent to be like, well, what, what do you want to do Um, within reason? I mean, I don't think they're, they're not letting the employees tell them what to do per se, but they're just, you know, it's just kind of like, well, what, what works best? And I think on the one hand, this, this has been a, it's been an interesting experiment because companies that weren't ready for digital, you know, like we're not fully invested in digital transformation. We're not ready at all overnight had to like, you know, work hundred percent remote. And as far as I know, every, like every, every anecdote I've heard has said that it it's gone fine. You know, productivity stayed the same or went up in most cases. And that, and that, you know, so it seems to work. Okay which makes it a lot harder for a company to turn around and make the case for, well, we need you to come back to the office. It's like, well, you might want me to come back to the office. Maybe you feel better micromanaging me if I, if you make sure that I'm sitting at this desk for 40 hours, but you don't need me to come back to the office.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree, but there are definitely some things that work better if you're local than remote. Um, and in some, some, and also, I think it's a big challenge for people trying to break into the industry while work, working remote, because typically you kind of trust the employees that are working remote and it's, and they know the ropes. And so it's kind of hard to build in the culture of a company or an operation when you're all remote and you don't have nobody that you can like look over their shoulder. Different people learn in different ways. But uh, in the military, as you know, we learn from OJT a lot. They put you, they put you with somebody else to do the job. That's hard to do virtually, um, and so I think that it has affected opportunities for people to break into the cybersecurity space, uh, where uh, it's easy to be an individual contributor, right? Uh, just you know, like you have been for a while, and like I, I'm. I can be an individual contributor. I don't manage anybody currently. Um, see, to just do my job. But if somebody wanted to come in and and work from start from scratch, it's going to be hard for people to break in, and that's what I see.
0: Yeah. I you know, I I I I can see where there's you know, some additional, you know, hurdles. And there there are definitely things that are just I mean, I, I, I still as much as I work from home, I still do appreciate every once in a while. Getting to get you know like going into the office, being able to sit down face to face with a team in a in a in a conference room and actually like you know bounce ideas off of each other and and you know we've been doing that for a year and a half virtually over Zoom and and you know so it's not that it's not possible but it it is a different it's a different energy it's a different dynamic uh, to be sitting in the same room, um, but I was gonna say I was gonna turn that around though and say that I I feel like it also opens up some opportunities. So like let's say that you're you know, you're, your are you're LinkedIn, you're, you know, you're, you're whoever you're a company headquartered in the Bay area. Um, and traditionally that means you've limited your hiring pool to whoever's available in the Bay area. Well, if you remove that barrier and you say, okay, well, we're just going to be hundred percent remote. I don't care if you're in Nebraska. I don't care if you're in, you know, South Dakota, you can be wherever you want to be. It seems to me like that, 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 Kind of a win-win for for the company, from the standpoint of maybe the best talent isn't in the Bay Area. Maybe the very best person for that job lives in South Dakota. And you know by opening up the 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 barrier, now now you can actually hire the best person for the job without regard for where they live. And then, on the other side of that equation, as the employee, you know, like the you know, people people who are in South Dakota or Nebraska or whatever. Um, you know, those aren't exactly tech hotspots. Um, And so maybe they've had fewer opportunities unless they were willing to move to a Bay Area or Austin or Boston or, you know, one of the tech zones. Um, And now it's like, all right, well, you can, you can just be wherever you, wherever you want to be. And, you know, so it seems like there's some, some benefits from that perspective and also benefits possibly from a, Financial perspective for a company, I mean I, I just I just saw a headline today. I think it was Google that said that they're you know they're looking at uh, at possibly reducing pay for some people who are working remote, working from home. Um, yeah, you know, I think those are tough questions, the tough, tough things for companies to try to deal with uh, and, and and real hard to try to convince someone why they should take a pay cut. Um, yeah. But in terms of hiring new people, it's a very different financial equation to hire someone in rural Nebraska than it is to hire someone to live in
1: the Bay Area, yeah, but I mean, the truth is you can you can have an address anywhere. so like that's going to be hard to enforce. i wouldn't I wouldn't tell somebody I'm living in the middle of a cheap area, and I know that that's what people are doing. People are getting hired, they live where they want to Airbnb in it. they could be on the other side of the world, really. Right. But here's the the big deal here, though, is that I think the way team, the reason why teams work well and even relationships, the fact that me and you have met in person, sat down, talked, you know, maybe you grab drinks with somebody, maybe you eat with somebody. It's like we're very social beings. Right. And 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 the people we meet and we tend to trust more and we tend to work better together. I trust you. I can ask you questions and and things of that nature. So, I think that the camaraderie is a big part that we're missing by working remotely. And and how do you how do you kind of fix that? People are trying to be, you know, we've had virtual happy hours with our team and and things and things of that nature. But I think the big part of of working effectively, definitely in cybersecurity, is 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 being able to have that smooth communications, those relationships somebody to teach you that mentor you and that stuff that stuff's pretty hard to do to do virtually
0: well so you know one of the things you and i talked about right before we started we've talked about it before um but you know i had said that you know you as you pointed out you have on the wall behind you the tribe of hackers book so you were you were you know one of the one of the people you know that drove the Tribe of Hackers books, which for anyone who doesn't know, great books. You should check them out. But it's not a book that like Marcus didn't sit down and write the book. He 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 got insights from various experts across the industry, uh, diverse yep. diverse views and opinions, um, and asked people the same set of questions. And I found I, I found it hugely interesting and and very valuable to see. You know, people that I know, people I've that I've met at RSAs and Black Hats, people that I've worked with in various capacities to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, how how they came up and how and, and, and what the career path was and to try to, you know, and basically what you know, what you kind of find out is there isn't necessarily one. Hell, if people if people knew how I got where I'm at, like they're there, they would it's it would blow their minds because there's no direct path at all. Like (laughs) I went, I I got out of high school. I went to college, uh, ostensibly for political science for like a semester and a half. I got bored and joined the air force. I got out of the air force and went into sales doing direct mail sales for my dad's money mailer franchise. And I got out of that and went into it. Like there's no, there's no connecting the dots. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, theme that runs through that. I, I literally just did 180 degree shifts back and forth and then landed here.
1: Love it. Love it. I, I think I think you're right. I think that um I think if you the the common thread that that people have, I call it I call it superpowers, you kind of have you kind of have your superpower when you when you were young. You know, maybe maybe you could maybe you're good at math, maybe you were quick to pick up programming. Maybe you, there's a lot of different traits that everybody has and and I can tell it is funny that you say you were good at sales. You're very good at talking. You 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 talk, you know what I'm saying? You got to, you got to, you're great with words. You're in, that's what, that's where you're good at what you're doing now. I mean, as far as hosting these podcasts and, and things of that nature. So I just, I just encourage people, whatever you're doing, try to see how that relates to what we do in cybersecurity. And sometimes you don't have to necessarily be a technical person. You could be, you could do technical sales. You could do sales engineering. Uh, you could do marketing. Cause we 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 need all that in cybersecurity to be effective. And so uh, and that's when, when I when I try to help people get into cybersecurity, I try to say, hey, look, just find the most common related thing on what you're doing. For instance, if, if you're doing IT help desk, that's a great opportunity to get into a SOC. If you're doing web application programming, that's a good app that's a good opportunity to be a web application pen tester. And so you gotta take like the closest thing you are. To, to, to the roles that we have in cybersecurity and then you can maybe make that transition.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things, so I've got, you know, I've got seven kids, one, well, two of which are now graduated, but you know, they're the various stages of college.
1: You got seven kids. Yes.
0: Wow. Um, I got four.
1: I thought I had a lot.
0: <laughs> but various stages of college and, 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 and trying to figure stuff out. And, um, you know, and one of the points I've made to my kids over over the years is there are certain things, doctor, lawyer, engineer, where there's a very specific degree path. There are very specific requirements. You must do that thing to have that job. Yep. Pretty much every other degree is essentially some version of a liberal arts degree. Like it doesn't really matter. No one, no, it doesn't, you know, like, yes, you could go into that. You could become a teacher of that thing. I mean, I'm not saying that people don't get degrees and go on to work in that, in that industry, but the vast majority of people get a degree in whatever the hell and just go get a job. And, and I mean, I was literally just, I had lunch with uh, my, my son a few weeks ago. uh, And I said, you know, we think in terms of specific jobs. You think in terms of, do I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer? And when you think of companies to work for, you tend to think, oh, well, you know, I mean, from a tech perspective, I'm like, well, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, you know, there's certain names that come up. But I said, but if you just walk, if you just drive down this street where we were out in Cyprus, Texas, I'm like, there's a 100 companies right here that you've never heard of and there's a thousand people working who show up every day to work here doing jobs you've never heard of. (laughs) And then, and then nobody, nobody, when they were in, in, in fifth grade, and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? That, that, that job was not anyone's answer. And yet somebody has to do that job. Um, and so, you know, all that's a very long winded way to say that, in my opinion, the vast majority of adults are in careers, that don't necessarily have a direct career path there is no like prescribed way to get there you just kind of figure it out and you end up there and some for some people that works out great you you serendipitously wind up in something that works well for, uh, i would i would use myself as an example you serendipitously land somewhere and you say hey you know what this works and then there's a lot of people who just show up every day for 20 years 30 years and they go i don't i don't have any idea how i got here and i hate this job but <laughs> it
1: pays- I mean, God bless them man for to be able to do that. I mean and, and many people do it because their are family and all that stuff. I'm super fortunate. Um I tell people, um uh, I when I watch war games, this is facts. I watch war games and I knew from that moment I might have been eight or whatever when it when it came out. I don't I was young, but I knew that I want to work with computers. And and funny enough that, that movie was about computers. It was about the defense industry and system administration stuff. That movie, when I was, when I was young, I was like, I want to do, I want to work with computers, something related to computers. And when I did my ASVAB test in the Navy, um, I was like, my my recruiter was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't care what I do is I want to work with computers because I saw the Navy ads and the military ads and they were, even back then they were advertising the computers and systems and all that stuff. And I was like, man, I want to do that so bad. And so all these years later, uh, I'm a crusty old bastard now, but I got to live that dream. Ever yeah. since I was young, that was the dream.
0: You know, funny funny tie-in to that is you know, I I, I got you know, I, I taught myself basic and taught myself to type on a Commodore sixty four. Um, And you know, so I lived and breathed the, the Commodore 64. I eventually, you know, moved into you know Windows PCs and stuff. And I, so I've just from since I was 12, I've just always had a computer. And it's been like the primary thing I do. And I didn't really understand it as or view it as a career path when like when I joined the Air Force and you know and all those things. It wasn't on my mind that I should you know have a career that had anything to do with computers per se. But when I uh, I was I was at Upper Hayford in England, but I was assigned to the F-111 and the Air Force was phasing them out. So they were shutting RAF Upper Hayford down. The only base really left was, was Cannon Air Force Base in New Mexico. And so they sent me there and an opportunity came up in the squadron headquarters. They were looking basically for a database admin. And, um, you know, this is... 1992, three, Uh, you know, so there weren't that many people who even knew what that was or were were qualified to be that thing. Um, I'm not sure they even really knew what they were looking for. Uh, You know, they just, they were like, well, we've got this data, we've got this computer, we need someone to put it together. Um, And I volunteered for that. And I was, I was basically, I basically got the job and then someone else in my command chain, shut it down. They were like, "No, nah, we, we don't, we don't want, we don't want to lose Tony from what he's doing here. And that actually was the catalyst for me getting out is I was like, all right, you guys shut down the base. I was at sent me to the middle of freaking nowhere, New Mexico,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: where there's no option for me to go anywhere else. Like this is it. This is the only F one eleven base. And, uh, and and then I found something I wanted to do, and you wouldn't let me do it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else. Um, you know. So that that was that, that there was that was that part of the uh, the computing. Um. There was another aspect of that that I was gonna I was gonna touch on, but I don't remember what it was now. But uh, oh, I know. I was just talking recently about the ASVAB, and you know, you take the ASVAB, they get the results. And I don't know how it worked for you, but with me, my ASVAB score was such that there was nothing off the table. They were like, so they sit me down with this like five-inch thick binder that has all the job codes in in, in the Air Force. And they said, you know, give us your top five, you know, pick pick your top five choices or whatever for what you'd want to do. And the reason I was talking about it recently is I was like, you know, I really feel like they should give you more time with it. Like, I, I didn't, I, you know, it's a five-inch thick binder. Like, I didn't know anything about any of the careers. You know, they're, they're just like little, like, one-paragraph descriptions of each of, of each career code. And I'm like, I, w- I as I recall, I was given like a half hour to complete this task or something. <laughs> and, and in retrospect, I was like, you know, I might have picked something else entirely different. I, I might have gone down an, a, a whole different path if they would have said, hey, here's this binder take it home for the weekend, look it over, figure out what you want to do and let us know. But I just went through and picked like the first five things that sounded reasonable.
1: Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I'm super lucky. And I did have an opportunity to, I did score high so I could pick whatever, but, uh, I'm lucky. I landed on what I landed on and yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. And now, um, now that computers are so so prevalent in our day to day lives, I mean, heck, everybody's carrying a a computer in their pocket right now. Um, I just, I just, hopefully, I can help as many people get into tech and cybersecurity as I can. So that's kind of like my thing, now.
0: Well, right, it, it very much is your thing, and anyone who follows you on on Twitter would see that. You know, it, it it's your thing. I think you're you're one of the most, you know. Of of the of the cybersecurity people that I follow, I would say you are one of the most, if not the most, sort of altruistic and philanthropic in the, in in that respect. <laughs> Appreciate
1: that, thanks.
0: Because I mean, and there's a lot of people who are or who are curmudgeons, uh, and there's a lot of people who are. I, I, I actually, I do, I I will say this. I I think that I think I see less of this now. But you know, ten years ago, you know, I felt like th- there was a lot of like, you know. You're not wanted here, <laughs> you know. Like a lot of a lot of security, yeah. you know. And 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 there's this whole like hazing aspect of well, you're not, if you're not on the inner circle, then we're gonna you know we're not gonna let you into the inner circle. And it's like, well, how are you supposed to get in then? Um, yeah. And I do see less of that now. I think people are a little bit more inviting, but I but you still stand out on on Twitter as someone who people come to and and you, and you're always you know sharing things about hey you know let let's 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 help this person find an opportunity which i think is awesome one thing i would kind of so to tie this back to what we were just talking about that there isn't necessarily a direct path you could have gone to college for you know renaissance literature (laughs) (laughs) Um, in or or maybe you didn't go to college at all there isn't a path there isn't a right answer and the thing is i believe that because i that's the path i followed you believe that, but like, what is your sense for where companies are? Like, are you know? Because I feel like you know, getting in the door with companies is hard because you know the the people who make the job descriptions and and filter the resumes are still like, well, no, we're looking for you. You need to have a four year degree. You need to have this certification. You know, and you know, I mean, you know the the standard, you know, crazy stuff of there could be a programming language that just came out last year and a job description that says you need to have five years of experience in this yeah. programming
1: language, you know, it's like, all right, well,
0: that's not possible.
1: Yeah. So I think that, um, definitely there, there's definitely a, a problem with, uh, some of the, some of the archaic, uh, things. I think sometimes in, in, in many fields, if you went through something, a lot of people, if they're hiring, they feel that they have to meet that same standard of whether it be traditional education or certifications or, or, or anything like that. But if you give, a, I think we have to be better evaluations of talent. I'm glad we talked about the ASVAB a little bit because that was that was an aptitude test to see if you could be good at it. I think the closest thing to that in, in tech right now is certifications. Uh, and there's some harder to get certifications. Um, I know the OSCP is something that a lot of people talk about, is like a standard of technical acumen. Um, there's other there there's other ones that the government has sanctioned, CSSP, Security Plus, things and things like that. Um, I think that, that what those do is they're kind of like an aptitude test in the sense that do you have an aptitude for security? And some are some are good, some are better than others. So I I do like the fact that we can get certifications now and and don't have to have college. Um, Myself, I have a master's degree in network security. So I kind of like drunk that Kool-Aid. I got all the certifications, CSSP. I did all that, all that. And so, and now I have, now that I'm older, uh, my son is in in tech and he's a beast at programming, software engineering, and he works for Rapid7. He works on one of the, more elite teams at Rapid Seven and you know, he, he's doing well and he didn't go to college and I he had me of course. Uh my son in law. My my son in law, funny enough, he works for Rapid Seven too. Um he's a sales engineer at Rapid Seven. Uh he didn't he went to college uh for two years roughly and then uh I kinda like hey uh you can you can get into tech anytime you want to and, and he took that and he make he, he makes an amazing Salary for most people would be like, and my son, my son, they're making good money, stock options, the whole nine, living the dream. Um, and they don't have, they, you know, my, my son in law has certs, my my uh, my son doesn't have any certifications whatsoever. Uh, self taught uh, developer programming, he can program any language there is. So, um, I just want to encourage people that like you said there's no traditional way to get to to get to that uh that level and one yeah. of the um, most amazing things when my son was coming up through the ranks uh there was somebody working my son was an intern and they had they had an intern working and the intern was like a junior at at Harvard or something like you know MIT or something like that right some big name school and and my son was 16 years old in high school and one of the managers was like your son is better at coding and developing than that mit student is, and so i'm like wow that's crazy and i think some people uh you mentioned those brands right how people talk about apple and google and all that stuff and like i tell people your brand is yourself you the, you're the brand you can actually go work at a google you can go work at a salesforce you can go work at all these companies but you're making that brand look good it's not the other way around i know people that worked at ibm and and google and all these other stuff and i was like man i that person they might have been good on interview or did the programming questions right but when it comes down to it those brands don't intrinsically make you better at what you do i worked at nsa that doesn't make me smart or anything like that because i know a bunch of idiots at nsa you know what i'm saying Yeah. But but I just want people to have the faith in themselves that that they can do it. And that's kind of like what I try to instill in other people. If I could inject my hubris into people, (laughs) I would have an amazing drug. So,
0: you know, that that could be a whole separate conversation you and I could have, because um, I would say hubris got me a lot of where I am right now. Uh, You know, I I have I have a whole thing that I, like, kind of dabble with writing sometimes. I mean, I, 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 I'm not so, uh, I, I feel like it's a little uh, very, uh, I feel it's somewhat narcissistic for anyone, uh, to write a memoir, but especially if you're like nobody to write a memoir. <laughs> so, so, so I'm not, I'm not planning on writing a memoir, but when I look back, there are so many instances. Um, so I, I, I'll, I'll give you a couple when I, when I got to tech school in, in Denver, when I was in the Air Force, I got out, of, got out of boot camp. I went to tech school in Denver. I became uh, one of the student leaders, so the ropes. I had the, had the braided rope on my sleeve, and you know, I, was, I was in charge of marching us to and from class each day. Yeah. Uh, and But I was like one of the most junior student leaders there. And the squadron captain came up to me one day, and he said, Hey, who's the best marcher here? And I said, me. And he was like, he, he was like, ah, that's uh, he's like, I, I appreciate I appreciate your uh, enthusiasm. But no, seriously, like, you know, who? who? And I, I said, me, I'm telling you, it's me. And the reason he was asking is the base had decided they were going to have a marching company. It was the first time ever they were going to have an inter squadron marching competition. And he was like, I want to win this thing. And he gave it to me and we won that thing. Lovely. So that's one example. Another one is uh, after I started working in IT, so I, did, I was done done doing sales with my dad's uh, direct mail. I would moved to Michigan, decided to to get a job in IT. Um, when I went to interview with with EDS, and I'd already worked a couple years just doing like a, you know smaller IT stuff, but I went to interview with EDS, and uh, the the hiring manager in the interview, she said what do you know about Microsoft Cluster Server? And I said, nothing, never heard of it. Um, But, and we we did this interview on Friday. I said, but if you give me until Monday, I will be an expert on Microsoft Cluster Server. And she hired me based on that answer. And within two weeks, I had people calling me from around the world in EDS Mm -hmm. were like, hey, we heard you're the Microsoft Cluster expert. Um, And and it was just, all those things were just hubris. I mean, it was just, you know, I was was that, you know, overly confident in
1: myself. (laughs) Hey, I think you got to have that, man. Like, I don't, I mean, I think you got to be a little bit nuts to be successful. If you don't, if you don't have the confidence in yourself and nobody else is going to have that confidence. So that, that's it. If some, I, I tell me, I, some people say nothing, you shouldn't say nothing's easy, but heck, I if somebody else can learn it, I can freaking learn it. And so that's what I tell people.
0: Well, yeah, so I guess, you know, one of the things I'm looking at though, too, is there's, so there's young kids, you know, your son, your son-in-law, there's, you know, young, young people coming up. My, my son went to. Uh, Texas Tech got his degree in, in programming, you know, works for Texas Instruments now up in, up in Dallas. Um, but what about someone who, you know, older, someone who already, you know, they, they, maybe, you know, maybe they went to school, maybe they didn't, maybe they, but they've been, they've been working at a job for the last 10 years and the world has changed and COVID hit and their company doesn't exist anymore. And it's like, okay, well, We're constantly talking in cybersecurity about this job shortage or the skills shortage, the tech industry is blowing up. There should be like, you know, we have more roles than we can find people for. So we should be able to find these people jobs. But the question is what's the path for them? And it kind of brings me back to like, how do you get in the door? You know, if you say, well, look, uh, I mean, I guess certifications might be the answer, you know, like that, that'd be the quick way to at least demonstrate that you have some aptitude or skill for that thing. Because if you say, look, you know, again, I, I, I majored in Renaissance literature. Uh, I took a job doing clerical work at, you know, XYZ company for the last 10 years, you know, and you know, so now, now I want to get into cybersecurity and it's like, all right. So if you're the hiring manager, you have to look at that person and go, okay, well, you know, what do they bring to the table and how do I how do I determine whether or not that person how do I determine whether or not to give that person a chance?
1: Yeah, I I think that certifications are definitely part of the answer. Um, If I was if I was trying to get into it, I I tell people or cybersecurity, I give people this playbook all the time and it works like crazy. I mean, there's like not even like a week that goes by where I'm not helping people with this stuff. Uh, and I've got people, their first jobs all the time. So what I tell people to do is try to find the thing that they want to do. And and try to you don't have to have a direct mentor either. Sometimes you can actually just follow somebody like me on Twitter or follow many of the awesome people. I tell people to just grab one of these tribal hackers book and just follow people in that. Right. You just like the most of them on Twitter. Right. F- follow them and, and see what they're doing. And if something you have an interest in something, go go look at the job wrecks that these companies put out. And and most of the time, the job rec will actually tell you everything that's expected of you to do that position. And then from there, you can reverse engineer it. Like, for instance, if you want to be a stock analyst, many times they say a sim. You need to un- know what a sim is. You can go right now. Go to go get a free Splunk Cloud account, a 30-day trial, and you can get free Splunk training, right? Uh, if 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 it says on there must know TCP/IP, start reading on TCP/IP. Go get Wireshark and try to do some packet captures. There's a lot of free training on that. If it's if it's programming, you can go to you can go to uh. Something like I use uh Udemy. I, I'm I'm in Udemy. A, there's a several different people that do stuff like Udemy, ten dollar courses to learn how to do something. Ten dollars, bro. Like only thing you need is ten bucks and the opportunity to do it, to to do that stuff. Uh, and and you can go on YouTube, YouTube University, baby. There's tons of you can learn anything pretty much in this world on YouTube. I wanna build me a I wanna build me an off-the-grid cabin one day. So what do I do, I just watch a bunch of off-the-grid cabin stuff. Solar, how do you do that? How do you do your I, right. I, you can learn anything that this is the best time ever in the history of humanity to pretty much learn anything you want to do? And like I said, take the wreck, just eat content, eat, sleep, and breathe the content on there, get free software that you can use like Wireshark, go sign up for Splunk Cloud, go do all these different things and get a certification, this is probably like a six-month process. I think within six months, anybody can be killing it. That's,
0: that's, that's, that's my... It. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to add on, say Stanford, and I believe MIT as well, have like all of their courses online. So like, you're not going to get a degree out of it. No one's going to give you college credit for it. But in terms of actual learning and education, it's there. You can go learn anything you want.
1: Yep. And the proof is like, certifications is a proof. Also, GitHub, if you're trying to code, put your code up on GitHub. Blog about cybersecurity. If you're taking Splunk, write, do a quick guide saying like, oh, this is my experience on Splunk. And I tell you what, if if you if you take those recs and you and you're able to have some kind of proof that you understand the content, uh, one of the things I did at the beginning of the pandemic was um, I actually what I did is like, I took I actually taught two nights a week for like three months, and I taught I, I called it quarantine uh, sec or something like that, and I and I taught hundreds of people cybersecurity. And one of the things I had them do at the end is I helped them do the resume, and I want I encourage everyone to record a video of them teaching a topic that they learned from me, or something else. So that's it. So how do you how do you display mastery that you know what you're doing? And that's blogging, making a YouTube videos, and trying to teach other people. So try trying to trying to teach people stuff. And even like preparing for a podcast, if you want to do a security podcast from, from nothing, interview experts. Because what happens is once you start talking to people and trying to ask intelligent questions and and teaching the subject matter, you're going to get way better at what you do. So don't worry about looking like you're an idiot or anything like that. Just start from where you're at now and, you, and you'll be able to, to build. You can build on it. It's like a snowball effect.
0: Right. The other thing I would say, and this kind of goes back to my story about EDS and the Microsoft Cluster Server thing, is that was when I realized the line between novice or amateur and expert is very thin in a lot of cases. Like, I agree. what it takes to be seen as an expert is just knowing like one more thing that the other guy doesn't know.
1: <laughs> Everybody's an expert at something. You you know some you know something about something that I have no clue about, and and I also tell people whatever you know, is valuable. So many people take stuff for granted. It's crazy. I mean I like for instance if I had a like like square business, if I had a a video production background or something like that, I would make a vi- I would make videos related to cybersecurity if that's the field I wanted to get into, because you have all the production down. You just Fill in that little blank of 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 the other thing, and a lot of people are able to come up like that. I know there's reporters, there's cybersecurity reporters that have never worked IT in their life that are keynote in conferences. Like, do they are you know do we discredit them because they're a reporter? No, that person has been doing tons of research. They have a really unique perspective on the space, but but they came in. Because they were doing some reporting somewhere and they got a sign to be, oh, we're going you're gonna cover cybersecurity now. So what do they have to do? They have to learn and they have to be able to produce the content. And now all of a sudden they're rock stars in the cybersecurity space. It blows my mind.
0: Well, actually I was gonna say too, you know, so you, you mentioned, you know, just demonstrating your, your expertise, whether it's make a video of you teaching, do a podcast, write a blog post, whatever. Uh, sometimes that becomes the career because when I started writing. I did it, really just to do that. I was working in IT. I was working at EDS. I had just gotten, uh, you know, just joined a security team. And you know, a friend of my wife, uh, who was writing for About. dot com, was like, "Hey, you know, the Internet Network Security site is available. You know, your your husband could do that." And I mean, it paid, but it was. I didn't expect it to pay much. You know, I, I did it just for having an outlet to be able to say smart things. And I started down that path just as resume fodder. I just, I figured it was something that when I went into my next performance review, I could just say, oh, and by the way, I also, I wrote these things and I could point to the, to the internet and say, look, I wrote these things. Yeah. Um, that was all I expected out of that. And, you know, fast forward 20 years and that's, that's my, that's my career.
1: You know, what's crazy because the common thread that you're showing here is that, you're great at communications. You're great at communicating. You've always been that way to do sales and in, in the in the kind of sales that you were doing, the, the kind of direct sales, you got to be quick and good at communicating. And so what happens is sometimes people don't understand what their superpower is. But what you're saying, even like in that interview, when you were able to say, nope, but you communicated effectively, I can do that. And they believed you. So that's the like, And now you're doing what you do now, and you've wrote all this stuff. And but you're great, your superpower is communications. My superpower is I I learn fast and I can regurgitate any any kind of facts that I learn. And that's what I know. So I I know me, I can pick up anything and, and I can do it. But that's what I encourage people to do. Like, what is your superpower? And and it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. If you can leverage that security that you can leverage that for whatever you want to. And that's what I try to help people do. For instance, my son said he wanted to be uh, a video game developer and a lot of kids say that. Right. And so what I did when he was 15, I bought him an iOS book and we both learned objective C together, me and my son at 15 and my son put, he put, um, he put, like 5 6 games in the Apple Store. So my son did, he developed the back end. I'm pretty artistic, I did the front end. Uh, but he he actually wrote all the back end code in Objective C. So his superpower was learning how to do a language and, and writing it and now that's with him to this day. My son-in-law, my son-in-law ever since I've known him, I've known him since he was in high school, he was always selling. He always liked selling. He worked at the Nike store, he worked at JCPenney's. He or whatever. He worked at all these places and he was always hands-on. Um, and then he started working for um, I think Comcast or something like that, doing uh, he, w- he was actually doing the, the cancellations where they would call in, complaining, they pissed, and he would upsell them a different package. I was like, dude, you've been doing sales all this long. You should try to get into technical sales. So I was like, here's what you need to study. Right. Now, he's a, now he's a sales engineer. So identify that thread or get, some, get with somebody that can help you understand what that superpower is, what you're really good at, and then you can turn that into IT or cyber security careers. And that's kind of like what I help people do all the time. That makes sense?
0: It does. I mean, it makes sense to me. And I think, you know, you know hopefully some people hear this and, and, and share it with others because you know, I think there are there are probably a lot of people out there would be a huge benefit uh, and, and provide tremendous value uh, to the tech and cybersecurity space uh, you know, if, if given the chance. Um, who just don't don't realize that the chance exists. Um, so you know, hopefully, you know, we can kind of help spread that word. So um, I, I want to kind of you know wind things down, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a plug in, um, you know, on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's it's at Marcus J. Carey. So, you know, make sure you follow, follow Marcus. Um, and, uh, you know, as he has said throughout the podcast, I mean, he's, he's out there, he's out there, he's helping, he's, uh, you know, offering advice and guidance, uh, all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your, your, your little Twitter bio where your, your, your lead lead, uh, trait is hope dealer. So, <laughs> uh, So you, so you got that going for you. So, uh, I really want to, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to chat. Uh, it's been too long. And, uh, um, you know, who, who knows with the way things are going right now, but, uh, eventually I'm going to get over to Austin.
1: That's awesome. And what do you, I just have to ask you on camera, what are you drinking back there? What's that in the bottle? That is actually it's bullet. All right, cool. Cool. I have, do I have bullet up there? I, I, I have, I, I got a pretty nice collection too. So whenever you come to Austin, I got you, bro. All right. Sounds like, <laughs> all
0: right, man. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at techspective on Twitter and Instagram You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.